characteristics of a child of light next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. If you're saved and you know it, then your life will surely show it. If you're saved and you know it, say amen. Hi, welcome to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. We're going to explore the truth of that Sunday school verse. We welcome you to the broadcast today and would invite you to join us here in Ephesians as our teacher and pastor Phil Howard returns us to a message we began yesterday called Characteristics of the Child of Light. Won't you join us? From Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, our teacher and pastor now. Once again, Pastor Phil Howard. We've got to live in a dirty world without being contaminated. And that's no easy assignment. Whether you're a young person in school, whether you're in a job situation where the unsaved or Uh, carrying out their lifestyle, their language, uh, their their morals. It's not an easy thing. You've got to be sure he's telling us not to get blended in with the behavior of these people, but he's not saying we can't have contact with them. He said in 1 Corinthians 5, he said, I told you not to associate with the immoral But he said, I meant those who say they're brothers and are immoral. For if it was the people of this world, you'd have to leave the world. He knew that the Christians couldn't get away from everybody that's in sin. But he's saying to you as children of light, don't adopt their behavior. Don't be compromised by it. I think of our young people in this matter of morals. It's an incredible pressure. Uh, when everything on TV is uh, rather seductive in dress, uh, MTV for sure, everything goes there. Uh, every, you're on a campus, uh, when I went through Richmond High, if there was uh, 30 kids among 3,000 that were believers, I'd be surprised. I knew most believers and there weren't 30 of us. And uh, none of us were popular. None of us uh, you'd want to run with. Matter of fact, I had to quit running with all the guys that were popular because of their activities and their sins. And I was fighting to be in the light and to do the right. And so I had to get away from them, not because I didn't like them, but I would find myself doing their sins, caving in. I I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be acceptable. But I found out that wasn't easy where sin was so rampant and was the agenda. So I became very lonely in high school. It was a lonely experience for me. Uh, If it wasn't for church and family and youth groups, wow, I wouldn't have had a social life because I quit going to the dances because a lot more than dancing was going on. Uh, I quit going to rallies because fights and drinking. I I was set apart from it. Uh, I just started, I wonder, I took God serious. Uh, I, I couldn't date gals. I didn't want to be immoral, and, I, and that was much of the agenda. So I wasn't better than, I was so weak, I couldn't run with people that would drag me into it. That was the issue. I had to get my own strength in the Lord to want to lead them to the Lord. 
And uh, it was lonely. I, I did not like it. That's where I became so close to my own, uh, my own family. I ran with my brother Paul, who was a believer, and we'd play music. I, I, my sister gave me a ride to school, so I, I ran with my family, and I had one cousin that went through school with me. It's too bad you've got to get enough strength in the Lord before you can go among them to witness. Because when you first get saved, you're always being compromised. You fall back into the bad language. You fall back into... And he's saying, don't emulate their behavior. And uh, I just thought today, children of light, uh, how are you doing with the darkness? Uh, sexual attitudes, do they represent a biblical view? Or uh, are you, you playing with questionable literature, questionable dress? questionable places. Uh, it almost sounds like something I grew up with. They called it holiness. But today's church too sophisticated for that. You know, we're trying to be popular. You can be popular and lose everything you got. God wants us to be like him. So you got to ask yourself once in a while, am I thinking right in this area of sexual attitudes, mores, Literature, what kind of literature entertains me? How do I treat a gender? Can I, can, have I grown up as a child of light to feel comfortable around a member of the opposite sex without any kind of innuendo? You would think so. You ought to grow up and be healthy and not have an agenda, but to be good to any person, regardless of gender or a race. Entertainment, what entertains you? What makes you laugh? Does it, take, does it have to be vulgar to get you to laugh? What's your appetite in that area? Anger. How are you doing on anger? I just talked with a, uh, a woman recently who said that she was so disillusioned about Christianity because she grew up in a home with a dad that was a loud professor of the faith. He out there. Everybody knew it. At home, He'd get so angry, he'd strangle her as a young girl. At home, he'd tear the house apart. Made his wife cringe in terror. All the time professing with the loudest mouth, I am a Christian, you kids will be Christians. And all the time was a holy terror in that house. She said, I wanted to get as far from whatever his Christianity was away that I could. But she said, you know what, I'm here to tell you. My dad's changed. He got something he never had before. It has subdued the anger. It has made me forgiving for all the years of abuse. There's something. I said, your dad wasn't saved before. Your dad wasn't saved. He was a self-righteous, loud-mouthed Pharisee that didn't have the real stuff. She said, I want what he's got now. Could I have it? Because I am struggling with the same rage he had all of my life. And now I'm just as out of control. Could you show me how I could change? I said, yeah, you can meet the Savior. What's your home like? How do you quarrel in your home? Do you do it peacefully? What's your attitude about uh, the music you listen to? Is Eminem your favorite? Yuck, yuck. What, how do you, have you ever learned to talk right? Or do you still use explicatives? Divorce. 
Uh, do you still use divorce language in your marriage? If you don't straighten out, we'll get a divorce. When are you going to get rid of that kind of talk? That's talk of the darkness. That's not light. We're people who love bulldoggedly, tenaciously. We don't give up easily. It's covenant love. We're not married on emotion. We're loved on a promise. I said we're loved on a promise, not an emotional high. If you're high, I think you haven't got married yet. You haven't hit reality. We'll pray that God would deliver you. Drunkenness. Have you, uh, are you addicted to drugs, booze? What kind of soaps do you watch? Are there any Christian ones out there? Trashy stuff. I mean, why, why run? If you run with skunks, you're going to smell like them. Haggai said if you put a clean garment next to a dirty one, the clean never makes the dirty clean. The dirt always corrupts the clean. Someone just gave me a moving illustration. It was a really, little bit uh, uh, tough. Said if you had a bucket full of sewage and you put the best wine in the world in it, what would it do to the sewage? All you would have done is corrupted the wine. You would not have changed the garbage. And you've got to watch. You cannot. The pressure is for us to get dirty. And the challenge is to stay clean that you might be used of God to lead children of darkness into the light. But you've got to be that light. You've got to be making God visible in the way you live. They need the light. They need the light. They don't need you to put a bushel over your life. And for you Christians to get so messed up, we offer no hope because we're just as messed up. No, no. We have been transformed by the light. Amen? Are you guys awake? Wake up. That's what he says. Read the verse. Wake up, old sleeper. Uh-huh. So you thought I'd just get annoyed. No, there's the verse. Wake up, old sleeper. Rise from the dead. In some services, you think they're dead. And Christ will shine on you. What is he saying? You keep being the light. Make things visible. And then he says, there's a debate here. Some thinks he's now appealing to the unsaved to be saved. And that's the majority view. Uh, Harold Honer, that I, I tend to think is right, takes the view that he's now giving an exhortation to the believers. Believers, wake up. Don't be asleep. Don't be compromised. And it's metaphorically, uh, don't be spiritually off guard. Jesus said, be awake when he was in Gethsemane. He said in Matthew 25, in the last days, be awake, watch, pray. First Peter 5, Satan's loose. Be sober, be vigilant, be on the alert. Your adversary is seeking to dilute you and destroy you. Wake up, wake up, don't get sleepy. Don't fall into something just because you're not spiritually alert. And then he says, wake, get out of the cemetery. Rise from the dead. Quit hanging out with all the corpses. You know, that's, that's what's wonderful. Did you know what? We're living in the land of the dying and we're going to the land of the living. We're hanging out with dead people all the time. You're all dead in sins and trespasses until you're saved. But we're not hanging out with where there's life. The life is we're headed for it. We've got it. We're going to the land of the living. But around us, don't lie down in the cemetery with them. We are to be children of light. We're to be children of life. 
And he said, if you'll do that, Christ will shine on you. And the idea is uh, he will bless you. His favor will be on you. I want to do something that uh, I want to say one word that uh, Vance Havner used to say. He said that he went into a restaurant one time and it was so dark and the maitre d' came to him and, and he said, I can't see, I can't see. And the maitre d' told him, he says, oh, don't worry. You'll get used to the darkness. Pretty soon it'll feel comfortable. And that's our problem is to stay burning to not be self-righteous Pharisees, but to at the same time be so alert, so alive, that we refuse to have our light snuffed out or compromised or diluted. Because you are God's visible light. And he says, the light makes visible. We're exposing the entire world that your lifestyle is contrary to God. And we brought light We are the light bearers on the earth. We bear the testimony of God. I want to do something today I have never done in 31 years in this pulpit, and that is uh, to ever uh, say anything about uh, Martin Luther King. Tomorrow's his birthday. And I think it's apropos to the message to this extent that uh, we want to be light bearers today in this racial uh, uh, intolerance and bigotry that has never gone away. Racism is alive and well in this country. It's in every ethnic group. It, it is a matter of pride and sin. But I must say this, as Martin Luther King said, the most segregated hour in America is the worship hour. What an appalling indictment of the church where he grew up in Birmingham that a black man could not get in the churches of his day. And I want to say some things about him. He's like all great leaders of the past. He's as flawed as a man could be, but so was Jefferson. You know, Jefferson printed his own Bible and cut out every miracle in the Bible. Wherever Christ did a miracle, he had it expunged and it became the Jefferson Bible. And uh, even the great men of church history, you find out God uses flawed men for great causes. I was just a boy in the 50s. I didn't know what was going on. So I just read a book recently, Let the Trumpet Sound, by Stephen Oates on the life of Martin Luther King. And uh, I'm going to read to you some quotes, four different things he said. But let me give you a little uh, background about this man. He was born 1929, shot down in Memphis, Tennessee in 1968. He led the civil rights movement through, through the 50s and the 60s. He was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1964 and four years later was assassinated in the cause that won him the prize. As a pastor, I realize that racial prejudice has not gone away. It is not just a white and black issue, but a human pride and sin issue by which we snub other people because of their ethnicity. 
While the church is to be free from prejudice, you live in a world tinged and often controlled by racial prejudice. No one race has a monopoly on prejudice. Every group finds a way to show it one way or another. But for the Christian, it is totally inconsistent and lacks the heart of God. For God has said, I have made of one blood all men. Acts 17. He said in Revelation 5, when we land in that city and gather around the throne, God in his elective mercies has seen fit that every tongue, every tribe, and every race will be represented. His elective love will see to it. Matthew 28, our assignment is to go to all the nations, wherever they are, even if they're in our neighborhood, to go to people of every color, every race. Let me read to you, if you bear with me, uh, some of the things that Martin read, and we will celebrate after a while a... uh, that in the church of Jesus Christ, we can be delivered from the prejudices of the children of darkness. And if it's in you as a child of light, I would pray that you would repent. And I pray that this church would become a means of reconciliation to all racial groups, that this church is not an Anglo church, a black church, an Asian church. It's the new man church in Jesus made up of Jew and Gentile without any distinction. Let me read to you King, a letter, his, the most moving thing that ever brought the cause of civil rights to the front page was his letter from Birmingham jail. It was Tuesday, April 16, 1963. Anybody graduate from high school that year? That was my year. King had been arrested on Good Friday. April 11th, in a peaceful demonstration against the deeply discriminatory practices characteristic of most southern cities in those days. The Birmingham News carried a letter by eight Christian and Jewish clergymen of Alabama, all white, criticizing King for his activities and calling for more patience. His own father used to tell him, Martin, slow down. We don't need integration. I've learned to live with segregation. Slow down. So Stephen Oates, he describes King's letter as the most eloquent and learned expression of the goals and philosophy of the nonviolent movement ever written. I read King's words. These are his words. Some are a little, may sound offensive, but he must speak for himself. He writes from prison. Perhaps it is easy for those who have never felt the stinging darts of segregation to say, wait. But when you have seen vicious mobs lynch your mothers and fathers at will and drown your sisters and brothers at whim, when you have seen hate-filled policemen curse, kick, and even kill your black brothers and sisters, When you see the vast majority of your 20 million Negro brothers smothering in an airtight cage of poverty in the midst of an affluent society, when you suddenly find your tongue twisted and your speech stammering as you seek to explain to your six-year-old daughter why she cannot go to the public amusement park that has just been advertised on television 
And she tears welling up in her eyes when she's told that fun town is closed to colored children and see ominous clouds of inferiority beginning to form in her little mental sky and see her beginning to distort her personality by developing an unconscious bitterness towards white people. When you have to concoct an answer for a five-year-old son who is asking, Daddy, why do white people treat colored people so mean? When you take a cross-country drive and find it necessary to sleep night after night in the uncomfortable corners of your automobile because no motel will accept you. When you are humiliated day in and day out by nagging signs reading white and colored. When your first name becomes nigger, your middle name becomes boy, however, however old you are, and your last name becomes John, and your wife and mother are never given the respected title Mrs. When you are harried by day and haunted by night by the fact that you are a Negro, living constantly at tiptoe distance, never quite knowing what to expect next, and are plagued with inner fears and outer resentments, when you are forever fighting a degenerating sense of nobodiness, then you will understand why we find it difficult to wait. There comes a time when the cup of endurance runs over. And men are no longer willing to be plunged into the abyss of despair. I hope, sirs, you can understand our legitimate and unavoidable impatience. They charged him with being an extremist. And he writes in the letter from Birmingham jail. Was not Jesus an extremist for love? Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Was not Amos an extremist for justice? Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Was not Paul an extremist for the Christian gospel? I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Was not Martin Luther an extremist? Here I stand. I cannot do otherwise. So help me God. And John Bunyan... I will stay in jail to the end of my days before I make a butchery of my conscience. And Abraham Lincoln, thus this nation cannot survive half slave and half free. And Thomas Jefferson, we hold these twos to be self-evident that all men are created equal. So the question is not whether we will be extremists, but what kind of extremists we will be. Will we be extremists for hate or for love? He addressed the pastors of America with these lines. There was a time when the church was very powerful. In the time when the early Christians rejoiced at being deemed worthy to suffer for what they believed. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer, light and darkness that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. But the judgment of God is upon the church today as never before. If today's church does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, it will lose its authenticity, forfeit the loyalty of millions, and will be dismissed as irrelevant social club with no meaning for the 20th century. Amen. August 28th. 1963, Lincoln Memorial. 
I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four children will one day live in a nation where they will be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't care what you think about Martin Luther King. He was right on the cause. And I celebrate that every Asian, that every black brother and sister, that every Mexican, that every Jewish person, you're all welcome under the umbrella of Christ. And we represent Christ here. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Our series is called God's Design for Your Life. As we close the program out, we would invite you to contact us if you would like to obtain a copy for yourself of either today's message or the entire series. Call us today, 855-833-9864. Again, information can be had at 855 855- 833-9864, or simply visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. If you would like a copy of today's program, a prayer request, maybe you would like to partner with us financially, we would love to hear from you. Call, drop by our website, or write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, and the zip code is 945 945- Thank you so much for joining us today, and until next time, God bless.